to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Good morning. You promised me one thing that you're going to smile the whole way through the message, yeah? Nod yeah. your neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. Don't be unhappy, la. Okay? I spat out my chewy in the bin before I, I started preaching. Because many years ago, when I was about to give the word of the Lord in a big church, it was film cameras to the left, right, back. The chewy came out of my mouth and landed in the lady's hair. And what I did was I grabbed that chewy and squeezed it and pulled it and it got stuck. So never again, every time I remember now, I just put that chewy away. It's an awesome, and I mean this from the depth, or well, we mean this from the depth of our heart. What an amazing honor for us to be part of this family in this occasion, which is a milestone. What an amazing privilege to have not journeyed of recent years together, but to be asked into this context, and it is a monumental occasion. Standing there, I felt like I was going to cry because I remember being a young guy and full of the call of God. And, 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 and when you come to milestones in that calling, you know, you know, there's a price to pay in the process, chapter after chapter, season after season, to come to the place called destiny. And uh, unless you've actually pioneered works and gone through the price and the cost and the betrayals and the hurts, do you really appreciate the weight of responsibility that you carry both of what is happening today of, of a fresh commissioning and a releasing? It is significant. And I tell you, more than a personal prophecy, more than a corporate word, us being here embodying His word as one sent of God, what we are actioning today is going to have a ripple effect, not only for this ministry, but it's going to begin to pave a way for other ministries to break out of the trends of just following and starting to lean into becoming the pioneer, the creative, innovative church that God has designed us to be. Amen. So it is an absolute honor. I, for, one, don't, for, for one moment, take it for, for granted that we're here. I'm not going to throw a sermon at you, but I'm going to share a strategic word. Now, what these leaders have initiated today is very, very special. These guys are only young. And in 2017, November, the Lord spoke to us and said, 18, the year 2018, if those who have an ear to hear in leadership will begin the process of handing the baton over. We, we've marked that in our journal. 18 is a year for those that are hearing and know that their time, their season, they cannot take the ministry any further, but there needs to be a synergistic handover. All right? So we want to talk about things like that this morning. I don't want to labor too long or take away from it. I want to add something to the foundations of the next. And so I want to talk about moving into the next. And if you have your, um, your, your phones or your apps, I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 6. Yeah, there was a day I would walk in with a strong concordance and a big leather King James. I'm still young. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16. I want to talk about moving into the next. Now, congregation, I love you with all of my heart. Love the body of Christ. 
I'm not here to sermonize you, but I'm here to also give a measure of impartation to you for the next that is about to happen. All right. So his word is alive right now as we speak. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Verse number 16. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. We could have church on this one. Verse 17. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle of David that he had erected for it. And David offered burnt offerings, peace offerings before the Lord. Verse 18. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And then he distributed among the people in the whole multitude of Israel, both women and men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So the people departed everyone to his house. In the history of Israel, this is one of the most monumental milestones for the nation that is now being developed under a new leadership. After 100 years of the absence of the presence of God or the ark of God being in their midst, governing and influencing them and favoring them, the ark is captured. Now it took a lot of planning, a lot of warfare, a lot of expectation, a lot of prayer, a lot of strategy to bring that ark back into their midst. And so they're having the first monumental service in over a hundred years, celebrating God being in their midst. And so you can imagine uh, the people are so excited. They're, 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 they're kind of, you know, this is the ultimate. This is, we have arrived. Bang, we're here. This is what we've been anticipating, expecting, praying for and longing for. It has finally come. And then here's this leadership. Now I'm going to interject and I'm going to throw a few things out from the scriptures and the message today, which is going to re relate to these guys as a couple and these guys as a couple because there's types and shadows in what God wants to impart today. And David does something significant. He begins to step out of the normal box of leadership and he begins to undress before the people and he begins to celebrate and dance and whirl and twirl. No king, no leadership of the past would ever undress in an undignified way before the people. Second of all, he not only dances, but he begins to carry out the role of a priest. So he begins to stand, stand into the office of a priest. No one commissioned him in the Moses order. No one appointed him, but he superseded. What was happening that day, he was superseding the old order and stepping into something new. And so he was offering to God burnt offerings, peace offerings before the Lord. And he was celebrating and posturing himself in something that was new to Israel. And so that's why Michelle looked at it and thought, well, you ain't no priest. You are a king who should be sitting and posturing himself in a dignified manner. But he abandoned that and followed his heart. And I believe that there is a new breed for a new deed of leaders that are being raised up in this day that are going to migrate out into new platforms, into new spiritual positions to demonstrate a whole new heart of God for this hour. And while Israel is celebrating and while everyone is in that camping mentality that the ultimate has happened, we have arrived, the presence of God is here. David does something that seems random. Here's the third thing. He begins to gather together three articles of food 
a loaf of bread, a piece of meat and cake of raisins. It seems random. It seems out of context. But David was doing something significant at that day. The Bible says that he distributed not just to the men, not just to the core leadership, not just to the core eldership, but he said to the men and the women and the families and everyone in Israel, those three pieces of food must be distributed and handed to them. Why? Because in traditional context, those three articles of food were given to someone who was about to embark on a new journey. And David was wanting to spread a message, a meditative thought, that as you take this and you go to your homes, take this to heart, you know the tradition that is behind these three articles of food. A loaf of bread, a piece of meat and a cake of raisins. And I want you as a family to come together and I want you to understand this. It's great that we've, uh, we've, we've ultimately, you know, come to that place where what was the ultimate plan for us to bring the ark back has happened, but we're not going to camp here. We're about to embark on a whole new journey. And I believe today, City Church, we need to arm ourselves with the same mentality. A loaf of bread, a piece of meat and cake of raisins. And I can imagine the families beginning to dialogue and talk one with the other. I wonder what direction we're going to head in. And there may have been those that questioned, why not just stay here? Why, why, why change? It's all working. It's all productive. It's all fruitful. Why? Human nature is often a larger voice, a stronger voice in any transitional period. And we have to know today, and I want to recognize what is happening today is 100%. I've prayed into it. I know this is of our Father that what we are witnessing today is part of the plan of God. And we need to arm our hearts, arm our minds, that we are about to move out as a family of God together into a whole new movement in God. I believe with all of my heart that this new breed of leadership, like David, are not so much going to posture in a position of prayer and, and just waiting for a revival. I believe globally now that leaders that are emerging are creating movement. They are carrying Christ in them. One of the greatest revelations we have is that we're not pulling Christ down, but we're unpacking what is on the inside of us that the completed finished work of God has taken place within us. And now we've got to ask the question, whose move is it? Is it God's move or is it our move? And David was communicating that message. It's our move. He went out and he began to administrate, changed the order of his core team. He began to facilitate, reposition some of those that were involved in Saul's leadership. He restored them. And so God wants us to know that the next move of God is in us. And I believe that with all of my heart, I believe that it's reflected in the scriptures. It's reflected right throughout the administration of Jesus. In fact, if you come with me in your hearts, I want you to turn off your apps and I want you just to partake of this right now. When we look at the Jesus model of leadership, everything about Jesus's model of leadership was about him vacating and leaving those he was leading. In John chapter 16 and verse 17, 
he says this. Now, I want you to take it out of the traditional view of Jesus about to go to heaven and release the Holy Spirit. Now, you've got to understand he is the word of God incarnate flesh. He's a man leading a people, the first church, the first forming ecclesia of the time. They loved him. They were comfortable with him. They followed his leadership. Not all of them knew who he really was, but they witnessed things that were profound and blew them away. They were comfortable. And one day he comes in the mid of his journey and he announces to them the first announcement of many. And there's this. It's to your advantage that I go. The Bible says in the following verses, people like Thomas, part of his church, people that were in his congregation following him, began to question among themselves, what type of language is this leader using? What type of statement or what type of trip is this guy on? We love him. We respect him. But why change what is so comfortable, so right? He says this, it is to your, it is to your advantage that I go, or put it this way, it's your, to your advantage that I reposition myself as a leader. I'm still going to be part of you. I'm still going to oversee you. I'm still going to function as part of the whole, but I need to reposition to create an advantage for you. The word advantage there literally means this, to be placed in a superior position. Wow. Wow. To be placed in a superior position. And so we have furthermore statements of scriptures that Jesus begins to communicate that the works I'm doing are great, but the greater works are in you. If he does not reposition his leadership and change location, it's to our disadvantage. And we see these patterns interwoven in the leadership of Jesus, yet many churches become so confined to comfort. So confined to 20, 30 years of one man leading the, the, the church and not moving in the seasons of God. So we're not actually creating what we call in leadership a catalyst effect. Now to understand what Jesus was doing was more than just making an incredible statement. He was creating a catalyst effect. A catalyst effect in chemistry, we know that if you have bicarb soda, You put vinegar with bicarb soda, you have carbon dioxide gases that are released, right? It creates a reaction. Everything Jesus did, he designed it to create a kingdom reaction. We understand this. If you want to go up in the kingdom, you've got to first go down. If you want to increase financially, you've first got to give. Amen? Who is the greatest in the kingdom? If you serve, greatness will come to your life. So this is what we call the catalyst effect in leadership or how we begin. See, that's where we can stand and we can shout at the devil. We can pray and scream and ask God for a move. But we have the capacity to create that catalyst effect every day by making decisions to turn the cheek. By making decisions to give to those that cannot give back to us, the whole time we are creating a reaction in the kingdom of God. Amen. So when you give your tithe, don't be familiar with it. You're creating a reaction in the realm of spirit, which will dictate and overflow into the realm of the natural. Jesus is saying, I want to create a catalyst effect. 
I want to declare to you today that if I don't reposition and remove myself from you, you can't rise and the earth cannot receive the fullness of myself in them. Amen? What is happening today is a catalyst effect by this, which is very, very rare with such a young couple handing over at such a prime time. With this, you can feel the heart of this ministry. It's ready to go. It's ready to go even further. Which leads me to my next point. Jesus' leadership was creating a catalyst effect and a synergistic effect. John chapter 16, verse 7, he said, It's to your advantage that I go. Why? So that you can stand in a superior position. Second of all, in John 17, he makes the next announcement, which is his prayer to the Father. But he says, Father, I have finished the work that you sent me to complete. Now, he hasn't been to the cross. He hasn't died and been resurrected. So we've got to ask ourselves, what is the work that Jesus had completed? You see, it was his goal, and he started that, and he initiated that in John 16, to create an advantage. What's the advantage? If I go and reposition the glory that the Father gave me, I can give to you. That's Christ in us. And so he says to the Father, Father, restore to me the glory that I had before I came, the glory of being God equal with you. And give to them the glory that you gave me of being the firstborn among many brethren, carrying the kabod of God on the inside of you. And then he begins to go on and make this statement that they might be one. Now understand, we're talking a synergistic effect. What began in Adam and was broken by uh, the enemy, it was in the heart of God throughout the ages to bring in truth, to usher that truth into the heart and the fabric of the earth through mankind and to bring it to the place of John 17, that now there is a son that's ready to stand in the earth. You see, the ultimate position, we need to be about discipleship. I believe that with all of my heart. But the ultimate position is to be a son. And the whole language of Jesus in John 17, of the father talking to the son, is his desire and his design for you and I, that we would stand as sons of God, sons of our Father, knowing in whom we are and knowing whose we are in the earth is, is such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful revelation that we need to get hold of. And so we come to that place today where we understand what is taking place is creating two things, a catalyst effect, it's causing a kingdom reaction. Second of all, it's a synergistic effect. Now, what is happening is an example of Elijah to Elisha, the combined forces of two. One man in Elijah didn't have the capacity to pull down that Jezebelic principality. But Elisha being anointed, that combined synergy of the two grafted together, coming as one, had that grace to shift things in the earth. It's the pattern of Jesus' leadership. What we're seeing today, that's what I'm saying. It's, I said to Christine on the plane, what a privilege. These guys are early, you know, in their 40s or 30s. And, and, and what a, 20s? And uh, <laughs> what an awesome privilege, hey? What an awesome privilege. It's to your advantage. 
City Church, it's to your advantage. You know, sometimes we kind of distance and separate ourselves. Like, it's great. I'm really touched by what's happening today. Okay, la, it's great. Pasta, la. <laughs> After this, I'll go for makan, makan. Okay. Thank you. That was good service. But I want you to take hold of the loaf of bread, the piece of meat, and the cake of raisins. Because it is totally about you. And it's to your advantage what happens today. It's going to set these guys up and reposition them in the earth. And it's going to establish these guys. And there's going to be a kingdom reaction that begins to take place. That's going to begin to release something that would not happen. Even through fasting, through prayer, through shouting, through worship. And this is what... I think kind of rubs God up the wrong way. It's, it's, it's our actions as leaders that create a kingdom reaction. Now, I'm not here to sermonize you, but I just wanted a 20-minute impartation because we're about to do something very significant today.